Hey there, all you cool cats and kittens. Welcome to the Kibbles and Boys podcast, brought to you by your host, Harlan and Sam. Uh, we are two lifelong bros who uh, survived being raised as sheltered homeschool kids and now seek to connect in adulthood uh, through this low-budget podcast. Kibbles and Boys aims to deliver high-flavor content on topics that interest us, such as media, current events, and science. Harlan, insert the jingle. Welcome to the Kibbles and Boys Show. It's really going to be huge. And I am burdened with glorious purpose. You'll crunch it, chomp it, absolutely devour it. This place is like Dr. Seuss's worst nightmare. Welcome to Outer Space Class. Today, we will begin a wide-ranging discussion on something very near and dear to us, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. MCU. What's up, Sam? We should definitely throw the Avengers theme in here as well. Yeah. Yeah, we'll just do that post-edit. Indeed. Well, Sam, podcast number one. How does it feel? Yeah, man. Episode one. I'm super excited for this. I know this is just a thing for the two of us to get together, uh, especially now that you're up in D.C. I'm still down here in uh, Austin, Texas. It's just super great. We can you know, have a way to connect and talk about some of our nerdy hobbies. And uh, regardless of what happens with this thing, it's going to be a really fun way for the two of us to connect. Yeah, um, man. As yeah. long as we decide to do this for. It's going to be a ride. I think we ultimately want to talk about... Uh, a lot of different things hit on different topics as you kind of said um, talk about media current events science kind of whatever we find interesting right just kind of talk about um, yeah what are we talking about today Sam yes man so today as you know uh, being you know Harlem and myself were huge Marvel nerds uh, we grew up watching the movies we were at most of the midnight premieres together um, I was probably a little more of a nerd more than he was, but I kind of helped drag him into the train. And uh, what I'd like to do for these first four episodes is spend some time uh, doing a phase-by-phase review of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So I'd like to do, as you know, currently there's three complete phases and we're in the middle of phase four. So I'd like to do an episode for each phase, Um, knowing, of course, phase four may not wrap everything out, but thought that would be a really fun way to do it. Um, And, you know, go through the movies, talk about what we loved, what we didn't like, um you know, things we thought could be done better, you know, what movies really hold up even after over a decade later and, uh, see what we can, see what we can piece together from these. Um, you know, another thing I think too, is like even in game, it's been three years since it came out. Yeah. So, you know, now we've been removed from these movies for so many years. It's, it's really cool to go back. Um, cause I mean, we were sometimes back in middle school and high school for some of these movies. So being able to go back now and, you know, like evaluate them, and uh, after this many years and kind of see like what holds up and what maybe uh, doesn't hold up as well you know it's I think it's gonna be a really fun little project yeah yeah I think you hit the nail on the head uh, being a few years removed from the um, kind of the closure of the of the main I guess infinity saga since that's kind of where our focus is we, we get to look back and uh, reflect on some of this stuff and um, yeah so so what are we so we're gonna do this in four four episodes right each episode is a phase um, yes. So today, today we're doing phase one. 
what is in so what's what's in phase one if, if for the people that maybe don't know all the phases of the the mcu what is what is phase one mean? yeah so phase one is going to be that first core uh, group of heroes that we get to see brought to the big screen um starting all the way back in 2008 with iron man uh 2010 with the incredible hulk and then later in that year 2010 the same year iron man 2 uh 2011 we have thor uh, 2011, we have Captain America, and then 2012, we have Avengers. Um, so that's actually going to conclude Phase 1. So the, today we'll be discussing a total of six films. Once we get through Avengers, we'll probably conclude the episode and then get ready to prep for Episode 2. I love it. Okay, let's roll back the clock all the way to May 2nd, 2008. The very first <laughs> Iron Man it. film was released. Did you did you see this one in theaters, or did you? Uh, no, no. You saw uh, this so afterwards. This was one of the two movies. I think this one and The Incredible Hulk were the only two that me and you probably didn't see until after it was out of theaters on DVD. Um, you know, and, and it's crazy to think me and you. I think we're in sixth grade or seventh. It was seventh grade, I think, when this first Iron Man movie came out in two thousand eight. Which yeah. is crazy to me. I mean, that's we were in middle school, you know, and. Yeah, that's crazy. It was 14 years ago that this came out. Over 14 <laughs> yeah, now years. Now we've crazy. gone through high school, college, got married, are in careers. So it's yeah, it's totally crazy to me how much how many things have happened since this movie came out. Um, but yeah, no, I think for me, one thing I do want to go through this podcast on. You know, I know some of it will be a little bit more maybe robotic even, but I think it's really interesting to dive into kind of the time period these movies came out. Uh, to yeah. an extent, and then also look at uh, what you know the the movie's budget. There, you know, how did it perform at the box office? Was it successful? Did it perform to expectations? You know, or maybe was it considered somewhat of a disappointment when you look back at it now? Um, yeah, absolutely. I think we should definitely discuss some aspects of the movie again. You know, what we liked, what we didn't like. Uh, yeah. we'll discuss some of the uh, the lead actors, how we felt about the casting decisions that were made. Um, and then I did want to do a very in-depth rating system that we're going to assign to every movie that we go through this uh, four-episode podcast on. So I did want to see if you wanted to maybe give like a brief description of that. Yeah, so the, of the rating system? Yes. Yeah, so I think uh, what we're going to try to do is after each of these films we walk through, we're going to uh, independently, Sam and myself, we're going to rate the movie on a scale of 1 to 100, with 1 being... Um, the absolute worst film you may have ever seen, and 100 being a near-perfect film. Um, the reason why we're doing a 100-point scale instead of like a 10-point scale or a 5-star scale is just to add a little bit more, um, I guess, depth in what how we can rank things. There's a lot of films here, and so um, if we rated them on a 10-point scale, there'd probably be a lot of like 7s. Um, it'd be kind of hard to, to figure out um, which, which movies are better when you compare them side by side, so exactly, yeah, yeah. Now, when you have six or seven movies, you might give a seven, but you wouldn't necessarily say all those movies are maybe exactly equal. Um, so having that one to hundred system, another way I look at it too is, you know, as much as I think these Marvel movies are really great, um, even in the wider range of media, I, for my at least my rankings, I took these twenty eight Marvel films I've been released so far, and what I did was I. Uh, had the very difficult task of going through and seeing which ones do I think are the absolute best of the best. And that was kind of what my hundred scale was essentially was which, what is the best of the best Marvel movies? And then I ranked the rest of the Marvel movies against that. 
uh, was kind of how I yeah. went along it. So uh, you might see some movies in here. You think, oh, this guy gave this movie a you know a fifty five or a sixty, and to me, that's a totally watchable movie. It can be a really good movie, but it just wasn't, uh, you know, ne- nearly as good in terms of quality as maybe another movie that was um, in that ninety plus range. So, For sure. Just another really fun thing because, to be frank, I don't think there's a single Marvel movie that I, I think has been bad. I, I really have had some level of enjoyment out of all of them. I just think there are some that are definitely far superior to others. Yeah, and I think that it'd be helpful for the listeners to kind of hear where we agree and where we disagree on certain ranking orders, and then also um, kind of leave it up for the listeners to kind of think um, where they would rank these movies alongside ours. So just kind of a little bit of an exercise and. Um, yeah, what are the, what is yeah, the best be and the worst of, of the of the MCU? So I'm very excited uh, going yeah. through this too. I do have to just interject here. I am very excited to see where our upsets are going to be. I know me and you both have a few that, uh, whether it be a movie that's by the general audience regard general audience regard is really a really great movie. Maybe we think it's only decent, or vice versa. I think having that um, kind of seeing what our where our opinions kind of differ from the general audience and where you know they line up with pretty much the rest of the Uh, general audience is going to be really interesting too for sure so iron man well so what was the uh what was the critical reaction to iron man on opening weekend did it did it make a lot of money did it make a splash or was it kind of a a fizzle and then didn't gain a whole lot of momentum until afterwards iron man uh was a huge hit if i recall i I remember um everyone talking about it of course this was seventh grade we were homeschooled so it's not like we had a a ton of outside resources uh but i remember you know very early on i got into um the box office numbers for movies i remember that was just something i thought was super interesting because i learned very quickly that regardless of how much i loved a movie it had to be successful at the box office for the studio to want to continue making them um so when I saw a movie I really liked, that was something I used to do. I was like, okay, did this movie perform well at the box office? Did it uh, do what it needed to do so I can get a sequel for it? You know, And um, Iron Man was made on a $140 million budget. I, I, I do remember that. I actually have it pulled up here in front of me. And I remember an opening weekend, it, it grossed well over $100 million in opening weekend, which you know, I know there's been a lot of movies that have made well more, you know, way more than that now. But uh, for back in 2008, there was... Um, you know, breaking that hundred million dollar opening weekend barrier was actually a, a pretty big deal. Yeah, and uh, I know this movie went on to make about five, just uh, north of five hundred and eighty-five million dollars at the box office. So, it, you know, it was a pretty large hit. I mean, over half a billion dollars for, um, you know, a single property. You know, of a character that's really never been on the big screen before. Uh, this wasn't, you know, a Spider-Man, Superman, Batman situation. Um, you know, Iron Man. I would say he was a pretty big Marvel character, but he was, he didn't have the same whole, you know, household recognition as some of those other heroes. So right. uh, to see him do so well at the box office, I think was huge. Yeah. And I think he's, he's a unique, unique superhero because he's unlike any that had ever hit the, hit the big screen before then. He's, he's kind of a, this brash cocky character who's uh, rich and smart, um, kind of breaks all the rules of like the uh, the stereotypical superhero, which I feel like brought a lot of kind of newness to the the genre. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's um, there was just I think, and that's he was a very refreshing take on the superhero genre, which I think is a big pool of it as well. And just as far as as movies being crafted, this movie is just exceptionally well made. You know, it, it's really well paced. It's got great action scenes, great character development. Um, of course, you know, you really have the, um, 
the story of Robert Downey Jr. Because you know, at this, I'm not saying he wasn't known at this point, but I mean to have him cast as his lead role, and he just absolutely killed it. You know, I mean, pretty much launched off this whole MCU, and I think some of the credit does go to him with how he, how well he delivered this role. Um, yeah, no, it was it was a great movie. So I didn't want to ask you, what was what were some of your favorite scenes? going into the Iron Man movie and what are some scenes that maybe you remember? Um, maybe they're not even epic scenes. They could be, you know, scenes that just kind of a pull at the heartstrings for emotional, but what are some things in the Iron Man movie that you felt like really uh, stayed with you even after all these years? Yeah. So I think the, uh, one of the, the scenes that um, in the early part of the film that the really just iconic sequence of kind of um, his emergence from kind of man to superhero was just like the cave scene where, um, he's, uh, he's trapped. He's a, he's a prisoner and he, he builds this, um, Mark one suit in order to, um, break out and, um, escape. And he's working there with, um, another prisoner there. And, and that guy's like, don't waste your life. Um, and he's kind of talking about, um, the kind of hinting toward the idea of Iron Man living for more than just himself and his money and his, uh, his fame and fortune. Um, man, that was, pretty iconic scene for me yeah such an amazing scene man yeah and and that scene too carries 10 times more weight after you go through the rest of the you know mcu saga or at least the infinity war saga yeah uh what seeing that scene now you know almost 15 years ago is just it's crazy right so yeah no i totally agree with you that is a standout scene for me just super well done i'd love to how quick this movie you know still felt like a really well character drafted film but how quick it threw him into you know, the chaos. I mean, I think it's like in the first 10 minutes of the movie that he's already getting put into the cave, you know? Yeah. Um, I think so. it, um, talking kind of back to uh, the the movie and, and what time it was released, I think it's kind of interesting um, how this, this movie was kind of taking, I think, a little bit of a stab at the, uh, like the Iraq war and how these like the defense industries were just uh, making tons of money, kind of war profiteering. And it, um, other movies have hinted on that too, but it definitely kind of hinted on uh, the more nefarious side of that whole industry and kind of the corruption in kind of Tony Stark's own world. Um, and I think that would make what is what makes his transformation uh, from kind of that that character to trying to be more of a good hero uh, pretty compelling. It is really interesting too, because even going kind of a little bit uh, further into the series, you know, he's he's kind of. <laughs> telling the government hey hands off you don't get the suit you don't get to have it you know yeah um but then in the you know just of course in his first movie he is he is that guy you know he's the war he's profiteering from the war so it's really funny that in one instance he's becoming this new character uh and then you know in the next very next movie he's um also but he still he still has this sense that he knows what needs to happen with his technology. He feels like it's still safest in his hands, you know? Right. And I think that's super interesting. Cause I mean, not to fast forward too much in Iron Man too, but I always thought that was kind of an interesting thing where they're, they want the suit. And of course they want it for war. And, you know, he's already backed out of that sit, you know, he's backed out of that lifestyle of profiteering from it. So it was really cool. I think to see that uh, progression from his character. Yeah, but, absolutely. What do you think? Uh, looking back on it, um, now 14 years removed what what things in the movie in your mind didn't hold up super well man i actually think in a lot of ways the cgi held up really well but there are scenes where i'm like this you can tell that this movie you know wasn't made last year right um 
I also think uh, some of the fight scenes are incredible. But, you know, of course, I always enjoy a good Duke out at the end, and I feel like some of the scenes at the end were a little bit short-lived in some of the fights. But uh, overall, I think there's really not a whole lot to critique in this movie. That's the crazy part. It really is such a good movie. And even some of these later Marvel movies, it holds its own against. I agree, man. I think it's it's phenomenal. I think one of the biggest critiques I'd probably uh, bring up would just be the um, the way they cast Pepper Potts and kind of the 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 role she played in this film. And I think it's kind of cool to see her 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 role progress kind of throughout the um, throughout the the movies. But she was definitely. Uh, <laughs> kind of picking up Tony's laundry early in this, in this movie and it kind of yeah literally yeah yeah it, it I mean that, that might not uh hold up well today as far as um just kind of like the uh the differences between like um men and women and and how they, they play into the superhero genre it's been kind of cool to see that evolve from the first Iron Man yeah you're right I think uh actually I think this movie would probably be remembered a little more negatively if they hadn't turned her you know, Pepper Potts character role around a bit, you know, cause like right. you said in the first movie, it, it does almost kind of dance on that line of being, um, you know, damsel in distress, a little bit offensive. Yeah. You know, a little misogynistic. Yeah. Like he kind of like with that kind of billionaire playboy philanthropist, he's definitely, I think that's one of the, uh, the critical pieces of his character. He's not, he's not a, uh, perfect human. He's not a, he's not a, um, always a great, a good guy. He kind of has the edges of his personality are always, um, kind of colored and so i think for sure i think that's sure. what is uh it was cool that they captured the honesty of that which i think is it that adds to his compelling character he's not like a um superman type character who always does uh well like a perfect human being he has flaws and i think that's what made him a relatable character and, and continue to be relatable throughout all the movies so um yeah, it, it was fun to see somebody who was learned to be here as opposed to someone who was a good person being given those abilities, I guess. Um, yeah, it was it was definitely kind of interesting how there were some similar takes to him, you know, in Batman, as far as they're both billionaires, they're both rich. You know, uh, they both design, you know, crazy advanced technology, you know, things like that. But uh, seeing two different sides of the coin there. Yeah. Um, so I did, I did want to jump in, though, and say, of course, a iconic scene I loved in this movie uh, that I think everyone remembers, you know, carries all the way through the saga. But I remember, uh, you know, because all the movies before Iron Man again were the secret identity. That was a big deal. You know, I, I, there was very few movies, I feel like, where they kind of were like, oh, hey, this is the hero and this is his identity. You know, Spider-Man, Batman was all very secretive. So to see a character, too, again, where they kind of completely flip the tables and the very last scene of the movie, he comes down and goes... I'm Iron Man, you know, it's like, yeah. oh, crap, you know. Completely counter uh, to the, uh, to the, like, the superhero um, stereotype, which is you gotta, yes. you gotta live kind of in the shadows. He's like, no, I'm gonna embrace that. Um, and I'm, I'm gonna press into that, because that really is his personality. I think, that, and that was a phenomenal way to end the film. Yeah, and I, I think uh, it was really cool, too, because they, they didn't just do that and then forget about future films. They took the consequences of him making himself public, and that really does carry into other movies uh, as we go down into other phases. So I always thought that was super cool, too, that they, even though it was such a cool kind of, you know, uh, crazy scene that we get to see, it was it was really cool to see that they are like, oh, yeah, so he did this, but there are consequences to this, and we're going to make sure that that gets uh, hit on in different, you know, films down the road. Yeah. Uh, so really enjoyed that. But, yeah, man, another thing, I know we've got to rank this movie soon, um, but another thing I, I am absolutely 
you know, that really blows my mind is at this point, we have that post credit scene. This is the first time yes. where Samuel L. Jackson comes out as Nick yes. Fury. And I did not see it coming. I had zero idea. You know, of course, I'm a nerd. I'd read the comic books. I knew, you know, a lot of these characters. And there was like that little hint, like, I'm like, wait, you know, like, I've never seen anything like this before. Is this, like, why are they doing this? You know, it was almost like a level of confusion. But I'm like, are they, you know, is this a, is this an actual thing? Like, are they making a play here? Because I, I knew they were making a Hulk movie, but the idea of these being, like, connected universes weren't even, like, really a thought to me at that point. Right. Um, and it was just crazy. So I remember being so excited about that or being very intrigued, I guess I should say, about it. Yeah, and that's that's and, when we uh, first saw Sam Jackson as Nick Fury, and he's, he mentions, it's the first time he's mentioning this Avenger initiative. And so yes. I think, I think uh, you saw this glimpse of this, broader universe which i think we'll talk about more as the, the movies grow along but i think that the fact that yeah. this is not confined to a single movie or a single hero um is what makes this so compelling it is uh, when you realize that the world that it's opened up and that it started is is not a isolated world yeah and uh it's it's crazy to me too because at the time you know if this movie had been a box office bomb i really think this would have died. Like, I don't, I don't think we would have any of the MCU we have now, you know, like this movie, they may have thrown that post credit scene in. Yeah. Um, but I got to think they even would have canceled some of the films later in phase one, you know, that were in pre-production or hadn't even started filming yet. Um, when this movie came out and I, it's just crazy to me. Yeah. That the, the movie, you know, happened and what it led to, but uh, we got to get to ranking this one, man. Yeah, man. Um, of course, and I did want to reiterate to you know anyone who does listen, we have gone through. This was extremely difficult, but we went through and ranked all of the MCU movies, right? Uh, out of a skin scale, out of a one to a hundred, uh, with our very best movies, you know, being close to the hundred mark, and kind of everything else being ranked against it. And uh, so, when we give this ranking, just know there'll be a couple upsets. These are our opinions. Um, they're not so you know. Cold, uh, cold hard facts or anything like that but uh, I did want to see Harlan or my, my sweet sweet Harbob what do you give Iron Man out of a scale 1 to 100? Yeah so um, I give Iron Man a pretty high score I'm going to give it an 88 um, kind of baking in multiple things we've talked about for that score um, it's the first of its kind bringing in such an iconic character and just the quality of production it definitely had some flaws which is why i'm not rating it into the the 90 plus category but very strong b plus 88 what about you sam uh it's man i am right there with you i gave it an 87 uh same thing as i think it's an amazing movie i have very few things to critique on it but the marvel universe has so many just amazing movies um that it was very hard for me to justify getting into that 90 range uh, there's actually only a handful of movies on the entire list that I think get into that coveted range for me. So uh, I kept Iron Man in that high 80s, and uh, I think that we're right on the same page with this one. So that's awesome. All right. The next film, which arguably is uh, one of the greatest films in the MCU. <laughs> I mean, greatest films of all time. Yeah, so. I know. Um, I don't know why it did not win an Oscar. This is The Incredible Hulk starring uh, the one and only Ed Norton. Uh, yes. <laughs> so, so uh, Sam, give me the thirty-second summary of what what your feelings are about this film. Two thousand eight, yeah, incredible. Yeah, yes. I, I remember. So I saw Iron Man again. I really uh, it, this was marketed as a really independent solo movie. You know, there was nothing shown with Iron Man. There was nothing saying like, "Hey, 
this is going to be the next chapter of you know the like it still felt like a very solo marketed movie well it you know, came out like a month and, later it was it was almost it, like yeah, it was it like was an afterthought after and and i remember thinking like hey this because uh, you know at the time that this idea of connected universes on the big screen just like wasn't a thing uh, it, it wasn't where your mind went to like it does as much now uh, but I, I do remember I, I saw the Incredible Hulk. I like this movie. You know, there's nothing um, I would say I hate about it, but there's nothing that amazes me about it. it. It's a very mediocre movie. It's definitely one of the more forgettable Marvel movies. You know, I, I love the fight scene at the end between Hulk and Abomination. Uh, I think uh, Edward Norton does a, a, a solid job with Bruce Banner. Um, but yeah, no, there's parts of the movie where the pacing feels off. Some of the CGI is definitely a little bit scuffed. And so... It, you know, and I think the story gets a little bit messy. Um, it, it definitely goes for that route of, you know, there's not a whole lot of Hulk in it. It's very, um, how do I say? It, it kind of just goes from scene to scene, and then you get like a big CGI battle at the end, you know, between Hulk and Abomination. So, yeah, uh, there's a couple standout scenes in it. And again, it's watchable. I don't think it's a bad movie by any means. It's just after Iron Man, it, it did feel like a pretty big letdown after seeing the first Iron Man movie. Yeah, to me, this feels like a uh, falling much more in line with a standard um, 2000 superhero film, kind of akin to yes, uh, Fantastic yes. Four, Fantastic Four, Rise of Silver Surfer, and, and much less of the production quality you see in the 2010s. Um, I, th- I think they they kind of realized as this was coming out and as they were, I think as they were seeing that Iron Man was going to be um, successful, they kind of shoehorned a scene with uh, Robert Downey Jr. into this film. And then um, also, I, I didn't know this up until doing a little bit of research, they, uh, they actually post-produced a scene, an alternate opening of the film, where Captain America is briefly seen frozen in ice in the dvd release oh where it shows his yeah it shows like for a, a millisecond for like a frame you can see his shield in the eyes so yeah I remember that but of course it doesn't even line up with what how they introduce the character later so it doesn't, it make doesn't. Sense that it pulled out yeah and the fact that um, ed norton um steps away as as bruce banner um there, there are definitely a lot of flaws with this i think um it's telling to in my mind, as I think back on watching this film, the most memorable scene for me is the uh, the Stanley cameo. So um, that uh, <laughs> yeah. if that's the best part of this um, film, which all of Stanley's cameos are phenomenal, then it doesn't bode well for the quality of the film, in my opinion. But uh, it, no, nonetheless, it was think, uh... it was introducing a new character and kind of furthering this idea of multiple superheroes in a broader universe. It did, and I do think you know it's. There's going to be people that disagree with me about this, but I think Hulk is a very difficult character to have a solo movie with. He he is amazing. He's very fun when you put him in these team-up movies. Um, but I think it's it's hard for his character to hold on, you know, basically hold the own gravitas as some of these other characters do. That's a really good point. And, so do you think, wait, does that, uh, why, why do you think that Mark Ruffalo never had a solo kind of reboot of the Hulk character like is it because you think it's, it's his character just needs other characters in order to be um kind of developed I think there's absolutely a, a case where a good Hulk movie could get made but I do think it's it's difficult and I don't know that I just I think of all my favorite Hulk scenes are with him you know basically interacting with other Marvel characters um or his action scenes in these team-up movies you know and it's it's just tough for me to think you know to be I know it sounds terrible I love Hulk I think he's an amazing character I love his scenes in a lot of the movies the Avengers movies and stuff but I think uh, are you, are you, oh my God Harbaugh's dying we're gonna have to stop the podcast guys 
Oh no, I'm doing fine. <laughs> um, but no, anyway, I was thinking. I think Hulk could have his own movie, but to be like, if Mark Ruffalo they announced hey he's getting his own solo Hulk movie, I don't know if I'd have the same level of excitement as I do for other Marvel projects. Maybe it's the best way to put it. That makes sense. Is there anything um, else in this film that you find notable worth talking about? I kind of don't mind glossing over this film just because of how, yeah. in my mind, how little it impacted the the greater MCU. It, it did very little uh, did very little impact the MCU. And pretty much all these Phase 1 movies is very interesting because I, I think it's kind of obvious they didn't know exactly where they were going with everything yet. So a lot of them feel very unique and individualistic. Uh, which I love going back to. It, 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 a lot of them actually felt kind of more isolated. Um, unfortunately, that formula didn't work well for this Hulk movie. Uh, but, you know, of course, for Iron Man, you know, Thor, Captain America, I think a lot of those other ones benefited from that, having their first movie kind of feel like this more isolated character story. Um, I think the one thing, and you kind of hit on this um, a few minutes ago, that was a, a silver lining of this film is that it did actually do very well at the box office, which I think gave confidence and in investment for, for subsequent films. It it made over a hundred million dollars in profit. Uh, like I think, I think Hulk. Yes. Uh, oh, I was actually uh, was looking at it so because it had about the same budget as Iron Man, but it made less than the uh, to, you know less than half what the Iron Man movie made at the box office. Um, because I think its total domestic gross was like a hundred and thirty-four million compared to Iron Man, which was just under three hundred and twenty. And uh, so I don't think it was like a hit, but like a, a flop by any means. But I think it was, you know, after Iron Man made over half a billion dollars, seeing you know the Hulk make less than half that total at the box office had to be kind of a, you know, and, and made on the same budget had to be kind of a hit. Um, but, uh, you know, again, I don't, I don't think it, it did bad enough to where it, it killed the franchise, obviously. You know, they kept making these movies. But w- when you look at the box office movies for all the Phase 1 films, it's... Um, it's the worst. The lowest by a pretty large margin. Yeah. Uh, I mean, actually, the next closest movie is still over $100 million higher box office gross than The Hulk, which is crazy. Dang. But, uh, yeah, again, not, not that I, I don't think it was a total flop, but I don't think it was, a you know, a huge moneymaker for me either. Yeah. All right, what's your rating, Sam? Oh man, I'm going to uh, I'm going to give this one a 56 out of 100. 56 out of 100. I'm coming in with a little more skating review, 44. Yep. That, oh wow, yeah, that's pretty darn low. Yep. So uh, for me again, you know, Hulk with another weird thing about the Hulk movies, you know, we're just giving our ratings already, but is that uh, you know his love interest never shows back up again, like in the entire MCU you know, um, Betty and until uh, way later in the universe is where you finally get to see Thunderbolt Ross pop back up, you know, in a movie. But until that, it's until that movie, which we'll talk about later on, you know, Hulk really is like the black sheep. You know, the main character has been recast. All the supporting characters are really never mentioned again, you know? Right. Um, so I, I, I will say, you, you know, Thunderbolt Ross is a phenomenal freaking name. That, that is also yeah. a, <laughs> Yeah. I can't moly. believe a character with that name was was kicked out of the MCU for so long. <laughs> it, it breaks my heart, man. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so you gave it a 44. I gave it a 56. Uh, of course, pretty big range there. I would say anything over uh, five or six points is pretty substantial. But again, we both obviously agree that this is a uh, pretty low on the Marvel type poll. Indeed. So let's. Uh, this brings us into Iron Man 2. Iron Man 2, which is, 
almost it is about two years after the first Iron Man. So there's a whole drought in 2009 where there is, to correct me if I'm wrong, there's no Marvel movie produced. Exactly, which to people today would be uh, crazy. Right, we're putting out three, four <laughs> Marvel then, movies a, yeah. a year. I think part of that delay, because uh, in between Incredible Hulk and Iron Man 2 is when Disney bought Marvel. And so something they must have seen something with, um, I don't know if it was Kevin Feige's vision or just the the uh, economics of the box office production, but Disney stepped in. I believe they bought Marvel for, what was it, $4 billion in 2009? It was, yeah, I think just, just north of $4 billion, I yeah. want to say, and... Uh, you're right. It, it was crazy. And was that was that 2009 that that, that purchase happened? Yeah, I it believe was. so. Yeah, that's that is crazy. I, I gotta think uh, Iron Man was part of that too. I and mean, maybe Disney was already working on this in the background. But I know Marvel actually paid in front of the money for this Iron Man movie because they were. Uh, it was heartbreaking. But um, we're kind of going on a quick sidetrack here. But I think it's definitely we're talking about is that uh, Marvel Comics was really struggling, um, and they were unfortunately kind of it was really sad to see but they were kind of auctioning off a lot of their characters and you know a lot of people know that you know the mcu now but uh you know after sony bought spider-man and fox bought uh the fantastic four the x-men and some of marvel's more um street level characters you know punisher ghost rider um some of those so you had marvel was stripped of a lot of their a-list characters and just to try to keep the doors open and then they kind of made this crazy gamble where they're like well what if we pull a large budget together. We take one of our other, you know, big characters, well-known characters we have, and we try to make make a last ditch effort, you know. And they threw in the hundred forty million dollars. They took their time. They made an amazing movie. It became a massive box office hit. And then you have Disney that says, "Hey, these guys just made over half a billion dollars on an Iron Man movie, and they got like three other. They got like three thousand other characters, you yeah. know, that have never even seen the big screen." You got to think like in their eyes, they're like, this could be a freaking cash cow, which whoever made the decision. Yeah, it ended up being that. Uh, but at the time, that was pretty crazy, I think. Um, I do know, too, with the Disney acquisition, I kind of wonder if that messed with Iron Man, too, because I had read that Jon Favreau uh, was really pushing for more time between Iron Man and Iron Man 2. It was literally almost exactly, I think it was like two years and five days or something. Yeah. Uh, between Iron Man and Iron Man 2. And he really felt like they needed more time to polish the script, a little more time in post-production. I do remember reading interviews about that. Um, and so I, I do think you kind of, you know, I don't think Iron Man 2 is a bad film, but now that we're going into this one, I do think that some of that uh, chaos between the Disney acquisition and the rush to get another Marvel movie on, uh, you know, uh, in the theaters, um, probably did end up hurting the quality on this one a bit. Wow. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that, but that very well could be, uh, could be a cause. So I take it that means you, uh, you don't give Iron Man 2 as good a rating as the first Iron Man. Uh, I, of course, do not. I think most people would agree there, too. I I, don't, I think Iron Man 2 gets more hate than deserves, though. I do say that. There are some really fun scenes in this movie. There's yeah. some scenes that really stand out to me. Which ones stand out to you? Let's talk about the, the positives for Iron Man 2. So he, he just came, yes. he came across, he just ended Iron Man 1 and um, kind of released the world that he's, he's uh, Iron Man. So I think Iron Man 2 picks up basically where he left off. So what? So when you kind it, of it does. It, there's go. not like a huge time jump or anything. It, it, to take quick ten seconds here. So for Iron Man two, it, it had a, a pretty sizable budget increase. Uh, first Iron Man was 140 million. Uh, Iron Man two was closer to 200 million dollar budget. Wow. 
um, which is a pretty big jump. And a movie has to be pretty. You have to you have to be very confident in the movie to give it that type of budget and think it's going to give you a good return on your money, investment. You know, and uh, Iron Man two ended up making almost as much uh, in the U S. and Canada. Uh, I guess what you would say the the domestic market as the first Iron Man movie. Uh, but it did better overseas, so it actually ended up grossing about six hundred and twenty-three million. Um, which, to kind of give you, uh, I guess, a sense of scale, there it did about what would be about forty, forty-five million more than the first Iron Man. So, you know, not a massive increase, but it was still um, an increase. You know, so you got to see that. Yeah, there was a lot of people that were tuning in and wanting to see this character. Yeah, yeah, I think. I mean, in, in, I think that the uh, the Iron Man character really is what they're investing in and you can kind of see that as uh, iron man gets so much screen time and i think to some people might say that is a detriment to some of the future films that they're kind of leaning the entire weight of this uh, mcu kind of on the shoulders of this character and robert Downey jr because they see how successful he is and how um magnetic he is to the audience but i think that they saw that after iron man and said hey we're putting the chips in the table this guy has legs to take to really carry this through some maybe not so great movies. So like they could release a movie that maybe didn't do so well, like an uh, incredible Hulk, but the, um, the success of, of the Iron Man character kind of could propel the whole infinity saga. So to the point where we, uh, we had so many films, um, that were tied to this, 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 this whole universe. So I think that that can't yeah. be understated. That's a really good point. And, uh, Honestly, that's that's something else I want to talk about later on. You know, um, we'll go movie by movie, of course, but or phase by phase. Uh, but Iron Man pops up in so many other characters' movies throughout the franchise, even after his trilogy's over. So that's a really good point. Like even after his trilogy's over, they're still uh, using him to really try to bolster some of these other movies. I think just because of how well his first movie was received. Um, so getting to Iron Man two, you asked me what some of my favorite scenes were. Yeah, uh, and this is one we have talked about in the past, so I know we're uh, we both have this on our minds. But that racetrack scene, man, I still love the way it was filmed. I love mm. the you know that it was in broad daylight. It the was Monaco such a Grand unique, Prix. Yeah, yes, such a unique scene to have a uh, a battle. So you have you know the uh, the crazy kind of cheesy corny character uh, Whiplash on screen, but. You know, you kind of forget all about that when he freaking, you know, cuts a race car in half. And, right. Uh, it, it was just, I thought it was so well done. And then, like you said, you get to see that just immaculate suit-up scene with the briefcase. Right. Uh, with that red and chrome suit. Just, it was such a fun scene. So well done. You know, that's one of the, I think the one of the fun things about Iron Man is that he has such a Rolodex of suits that he pulls out throughout the yes. films from the Mark One, which is supposed to look like a symbol from spare parts kind of moving through uh, the different kind of major mark suits but then you have this this suitcase suit which is not the uh doesn't have all the firepower of the full iron man suit but it really produced an incredible fight scene i, I really love that fight scene with uh, whiplash and and i think yes, i think you're right yes. whiplash is definitely not a, an impeccable um villain he, he definitely has flaws a little, a little zany but when with those lightning whips i think that's it's a really cool visual to see that that going up against um an iron man you know i actually was thinking of um i seen of another scene in this film that i really liked and it it occurred at the very end it was the final fight scene with um with iron man and um Rhodey. and i really liked yeah, it because correct me if I'm wrong this is the first time we're seeing a, 
um, like a tag team fight in this whole universe. Like you had um, War Machine and Iron Man just kind of stuck in this park, and all of a sudden these drones are kind of flying, and there's like it's like 30 drones against two of them, and they're back to back, and the camera's kind of panning around, and it's like a foreshadowing of of the Avengers kind of squad up sequence. And so you it see is. them like yeah. like Iron Man's um, firing. Um, his rockets and then War Machine is uh, is unleashing his Gatling guns and just like this you really got to see the power of oh shoot like one hero fighting is fun but what about what if we tried two what if we tried three yes. and so like it wasn't a perfect movie but I, I do kind of actually look back on that scene and be like alright this was this was fun I see why we want to see more of this so I don't know, that's, that's one that stands yeah, out to me that scene stands out to me another thing I loved was um there were the scenes with you know some of the flashback scenes with Iron Man's father, and it kind of does show that he had a lot of t- toxic traits and personality. So you kind of see where you know why Tony Stark is the way he is. You know, like it kind of provides you that backdoor explanation to like there's a reason he was the way he was in the first movie and in this movie is that uh, he wasn't raised by perfect people himself. You know, and uh, one so I guess some things I don't like about the movie, some things I liked about the movie. It, would be I feel like it did do a lot of character backtracking uh, with the whole you know arc reactor poisoning him you know yeah um, you know he started acting basically started reverting back to all his old ways from the first movie in my opinion right uh, which felt like a little bit of a rehashing wasn't huge on that uh, like you said things I did enjoy though uh, was kind of seeing yes yeah, some of his almost family heritage like the story explaining why he is maybe or kind of helps explain maybe why he might be the way he is. And you also get introduced to Black Widow. That's yes. another big one. Uh, yeah, I think that's huge. Her, that's that was huge because at that point I'm like, okay, we have Iron Man, we have Hulk, we have War Machine, and now they have Black Widow on screen. Yeah, they're and, they're uh, assembling the cast of characters. So you're getting you're getting um, Natasha Romanoff, and actually, uh, one of the things I was actually a little bummed about when it first came out was the the swap of uh, Rhodey from Terrence Howard to Don Cheadle. I actually kind of liked Terrence Howard in the, in the first Iron Man film. And I was like, I thought, I thought he was going to be a um, kind of a, uh, right. a step in the, in the wrong direction. But, you know, after seeing Don Cheadle in, in the subsequent films, and then now with uh, him in, in the Disney um, series, I, I really do like him cast as War Machine. And yeah, you're, like you're like you're saying, they're assembling the cast of characters. You're seeing it come together. They got four now. How many more are they gonna add? Well, and five to include Nick Fury. Yeah, and you're right. I think uh, that's a really good point with the Don Cheadle recast because I was a little bit disappointed about that too. I enjoyed uh, Terrence Howard, but Don Cheadle, I think, uh, really took in the role, did a good job, and it's crazy because most of the messiest recasting and like I would say having main characters or even important uh, side characters getting recast was all occurring a lot in this first phase. So. It's just crazy to me how there was a level of disorganization and messiness while they were trying to get this thing off the ground. Um, it is really interesting to go back and look at that now over 10 years ago. But uh, yeah, Iron Man 2, again, you know, you get Black Widow, which, hey, I've got a, I got a fun little kibble for you, a good little bit. Yeah, um, toss one Scarlett over. Johansson was only 25 when she did Iron Man 2. No way. That's crazy to me. It is crazy. I just... Um, not say she's not old by any means, but it's just weird to me to think that she was, you know, uh, younger than I am now. Wait, how how old was uh, I can look this up? How old was um? Do you know off the top of your old um, Robert Downey Jr. was in the first Iron Man? Uh, I, I don't. I I gotta think he was man probably in his thirties because I know I think he's in his fifties now, but late thirties maybe. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So he was fifty-seven now. So yeah, he was. I think he was. 
So it's 14 years ago. He's, he might have been in his he's over 40. 40s already. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, but just uh, we probably need to move on to Thor, but we need to give our rankings uh, for Iron Man 2. And again, I think this movie gets a lot of hate. It has a lot of issues, but I think it was fun to see Black Widow. You got to see War Machine. There were some really fun action sequences. Uh, and of course, you get the uh, cameo at the end with Thor's hammer, which is really fun, which kind of then at that point to me solidified it. It was like, okay, they're going all in. You know, like this, is, this isn't just like a one-off after seeing the... Um, the post-credit scene in Iron Man, and then you know the Robert Downey Jr. post-credit scene in Hulk. At this point, this is the third time they're doing it. They're obviously got a plan here. And uh, for me, I'm gonna give Iron Man a 68. Iron Man 2, a 68. Yeah, I'm uh, sitting right about there with you at a 65. I think it's a it's a okay. solid kind of fun film to watch, but definitely has significant flaws. But um, but yeah, kind of sitting in that kind of mid-tier of, of quality. For sure. All right. So, how many? How many? Uh, how much time passed between Iron Man two and the next film, Thor? Uh, so it's almost exactly a year. Okay. Um, and you can kind of start seeing that they're actually organizing a release schedule at this point. You can tell that they're going after those summer uh, release dates to because yeah. you know for the longest time that May to I want to say it was like May to July was considered like that was like the box office gold was when you wanted to release those blockbuster movies. Yeah, and if you look at every Phase One movie, they're all released between, you know, early May and late July, and uh, but yeah, this brings us into Thor, which was literally released almost exactly uh, minus one day, almost exactly a year after Iron Man Two. So it was May six, two thousand eleven, was when Thor came out. Uh, Thor is an interesting one. It was done on a hundred and fifty million dollar budget. It, it wasn't quite as big of a hit as Iron Man, uh, but it did significantly better than the Hulk, uh, which to me was very surprising at the time. Um, but I, th- I think this was a really good origin story movie. Again, had, it definitely had some flaws. I wouldn't consider it a masterpiece by any means. Um, but I thought it was a very good introduction to Thor as a character. And it was a very good, I think it was a very important movie because at this point you had Iron Man, which was a success. You had Hulk, which kind of teetered at the box office. You had Iron Man 2, which uh, received a lot of mixed, um, mixed critical response even though it was a success at the box office. So seeing Thor come out uh, felt like a little bit like a return to form uh, for Marvel. I'm not saying it's on par with the first Iron Man movie, but it, it definitely it kind of seemed to kind of start steering the tracks back in the right direction. Yeah, I think I think Thor is unique for multiple reasons. I think one of the, the best things that Thor did was really introduce and push this broader universe. You're introduced to the, to the Nine Realms. And yes. You're introduced to this... Uh, um, the realm of Asgard, um, and it's, it just all, all of a sudden kind of blows the lid on this being a um, Earth-based movie, and it's like, oh shoot, this is a galactic scale, and that kind of like really kind of sets the foundation for uh, like the power, the scope of future future movies and and the future Avengers. So that was huge, and then of course, uh, man, brought in one of the greatest characters, one of the greatest villains of the MCU, and Loki. Yes. Yeah, no, I think there's a lot of people that argue he's still the best, and uh, I think even people that think there's better villains than Loki would acknowledge he's in their top two or three. I mean, he's such a good character, and in a lot of ways, he can almost steal the movie at times, uh, or he does absolutely steal the movie at times. But um, I think this was Thor was great because it was I think the first time that we got such a great villain who was so personally connected to the character. Uh, you know, it wasn't like an evil business monger. It wasn't you know. Uh, 
the evil government of police hunting down the Hulk. You know, it wasn't a competing evil corporate company like an Iron Man 2. You, you know what I'm saying? It, it, a lot of the villains, Marvel was struggling with villains, in my opinion. And seeing um, Thor, this was the first time I felt like I was like, this is this is one hell of a villain. You know, like they're, they're related, they're half-brothers. It just... Uh, so everything between them hit a lot harder to me in terms of the emotional aspect of it. Yeah. So Thor, again, was made a $150 million budget. It made $449 million at the box office, just north of that. So it's just shy of that $450 million mark, which, again, um, I want to say it was like a massive, huge hit. But that is very solid. Like, you have to know this movie made money for him. It was successful. Uh, this was also the first movie, I think, that was produced um, almost solely under Disney, if I'm correct. Um and Marvel may have already had plans working through this movie, I believe. But as far as, you know, at this point, I think the acquisition was complete. A lot of the, probably the messiness between the time with Iron Man 2 was, I think, well past at this point. So I think there was a little more of a clear vision going forward. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's absolutely true. And Man, I think Thor is such an interesting character. And, and I think, um, in my opinion, I think he has one of the most... Actually, I'm going to say he has the most compelling um, character arc throughout all of the MCU films. I'd be interested if you agree or disagree with me on this because just that is interesting. Take. Looking at the the first few scenes where um, Thor is preparing to ascend to the throne of Asgard, and then um, kind of through acts of immaturity, he gets banished by his father Odin. So you're you're seeing this kind of baby Thor. I say baby Thor in kind of air quotes because. There's so much um, life that he lives through the subsequent films, so much, so much triumph, so much loss, um, to the point where a lot of tragedy, yeah, yeah, a lot of tragedy to the point where I think the um, the Thor that you see in in uh, twenty what, what year is this? Twenty ten. Oh, this is two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven is completely different in my mind than the Thor you see in twenty nineteen, and. Um, it just he's such an interesting, compelling character for that that development. Um, what do you yeah. think about that? Do you do you agree? Disagree? Have any? Uh, I, I would thoughts? say he has one of the best arcs in the MCU. It's very tough for me, and, and there is, I think, a level of uh, I can't tell if there's a level of bias or not. And there is, to be fair, there's a lot of characters right now that have their first movie or just got their second movie, so they haven't had that full trilogy yet to really fairly rank them against these first phase heroes that have already had a full trilogy in multiple Avengers movies. Um, but yeah, to me, it really comes down to Thor, Captain America, and Iron Man still. You know, after everything else I've seen, I still feel like those three have this this crazy, they all three have very um, compelling arcs of redemption or tragedy um, that can really tug at the heartstrings, honestly. And so Thor is up there with me. I can't say it's the, the, the number one arc, but I think I would definitely would not disagree with anyone who does say it's that because I think it, he has a... a yeah. amazing arc and like you said it's crazy like how different thor is from the thor movie to when we see him in endgame i mean just we're at infinity war completely different characters yeah exactly um two other things i'm gonna rattle off that are in my mind very critical in the mcu for, that occurred in this film one we had the introduction of another avenger jerry mcrenner is uh hawkeye Got his first appearance. Yeah, in this very film. small cameo status, but we did very get to small. see him, which was cool. And, we, and I actually kind of like this. this is, I think this is pretty brilliant. They're kind of like throwing out teasers of these characters, so that way when you see them all together in the Avengers, it's not the first time. The second thing yeah. that is uh, occurred during the 
that, uh, of uh, significance in this film that occurred during the post-credit scene is your first glimpse as an audience member of an Infinity Stone in the Tesseract. And so yes. you uh, get this kind of very small glimpse into something that ends up being a critical plot point of obviously the um, the rest of the series. So um, I just love this kind of yeah. slow build. It's like the slow burn we're getting through phase one that uh, is paying dividends years in the future, which I think is part of the brilliance. In, in Hollywood, it's very fast-paced, moving. Hey, we got to make a movie, make money, and start the next one. There's a lot of thoughtfulness. Um, it's definitely not uh, immune to error. There's been kind of errors with this, but there's a lot of thoughtfulness that has kept this storyline um, threaded so nicely as compared to other um, yeah. films that might have tried to do something on this scale across multiple films. No, absolutely, man. That's a that's honestly a beautiful way to put it because they're not perfect movies, but so much, I mean, even now in Hollywood, it's like that people aren't thinking, oh, what could we make off this franchise in like 10 years? At least most of the time when they're making a movie, they're we want money here and now. And so for yeah. them to take these films and invest in building things out and throwing in these Easter eggs and these hints that they actually were going to build out like years down the road to pay in those dividends was was uh, it's amazing yeah definitely i think what makes the mcu so unique uh, there really wasn't anything done like this before um for me thor has uh, i'm going to just say a couple negatives yep um minus uh, the thor movies have these amazing opening battle scenes and the first thor is no different i love the fight scene between asgard and the frost giants like that epic almost lord of the rings feel to it yeah um i love loki of course i mean amazing and that he keeps recurring as a character just as to how well he did in this movie um i think for me some of the weak points were that uh there were you know there were some of the writing to me didn't hit some of the humor was a little bit I don't want to maybe go as far as to say cringy, but it just didn't quite hit right. Right. Uh, some of the CGI is definitely actually, in, in my opinion, a little bit worse in this movie than in the Iron Man movies. Yeah, I agree. Uh, especially towards the end. I think some of the fight scenes feel very like rushed and... Fell flat. Not very well done. I was going to say the know. fight scenes, in my opinion, were pretty forgettable, this film. Um, yeah. I, I like the point where I action. I really liked... I would, I would rate Iron Man 2's fight scenes better than Thor's fight scenes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I wanted a Thor versus Destroyer Duke out so badly, and it just ends up being uh, like a 10-second thing once he gets his hammer back, you know, and it, which was very disappointing for me as a, you know, I guess at this point I was a freshman year. Yeah. Um, yeah, freshman year. And so that's just crazy to me. Yeah, freshman year of high school. So, of course, at this point I'm a you know, 14, 15-year-old kid who wants uh, to see a good fight a good action scene and Thor kind of left me hanging on that one uh, like you said though it opens the door to this cosmic world it introduces the Infinity Stone so I do give Thor uh, a pretty pretty high rating um, it may not be completely deserving of this but I do have my rating if you're ready go for it I give Thor a 70 out of 100 that's that's pretty close to what I got I, I actually rated a little uh, bit higher at a 74 um, kind of oh, giving it a few okay. extra points, maybe less so for the uh, the content of the movie, but more so for um, the things that it introduced. And um, yeah, I, I was yeah. really blown away by by some of the visuals and and the, the I got really excited about the direction where they were taking um, the MCU yeah. after no, seeing this film. So yeah, so uh, kind of a solid C movie. Um, could be better, but definitely could be could be a lot worse. All right, we are moving on to. One of Sam's Captain America, favorite the first characters. Avenger. 
yeah, this is actually Captain America is my favorite character. Iron Man, well, Captain America and Iron Man, those two are my favorite characters in the series so far. There's some uh, new ones in Phase 3 I've been really loving, but uh, until I probably get closer to full trilogies out of those characters, it's going to be hard for me to uh, make any swaps. Um, yeah. Can you yeah, just like, to pick. riff on this for, I don't know, a couple minutes about what this film meant to you and kind of what a, I don't know what what your th- thoughts and feelings were based on seeing it for the first time. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we're homeschool kids. I'm born July 4th. I have brothers that are born July 4th, you know, so we're, um, even if we chose not to be, we're kind of, we were born into patriotism. <laughs> you could joke. And, you know, we're, we're in these, uh, what, conservative, uh, you know, we're, we're conservative homeschool kids. But, yeah, so seeing Captain America, I it wasn't what I expected at first, but, God, I loved it. I went into the theater, and... Um, so many people might disagree with this, but I felt like it was such a unique movie. It was a beautifully done World War II period piece. It was the first act of that movie, I think, is some of the strongest character building Marvel has still done on a character today. I mean, I love how they build up Steve Rogers. I love that they take somebody who's had, I mean, every, like Murphy's Law applied to his entire life. You know, I mean, his parents are dead. He has, you know, asthma. He's weak. He gets bullied, but he still wants to constantly do the right thing. And uh, his character was almost like heartbreaking to me, but in some ways, maybe, you know, you have to remember too, these characters, there's some of them that people are just going to relate to more um, than other ones. And I guess this was just a character to me when I saw on the screen, not that I went through a lot of what he went through, but they, it just, it clicked to me a lot more. But, you know, seeing this guy who's had everything going against him and he's just wanting to do something, what he feels like is important with his life, which is fighting this war against the Nazis. And uh, he's constantly getting rejected and rejected. And uh, then seeing, so it, it, to me, it was a story of a really good man who was wanting to do good. Um, it, it, I don't know. To me, it just felt like such an inverse. I know there's other characters like Spider-Man and stuff that you could kind of say have that same mentality. But to me, it was uh, such an interesting character piece. It was basically you took a perfect person and you built an imperfect world around them and just got to see how they reacted to it. Yeah. Which I, th- I thought was really cool. I think that um, kind of... Um his, his moral compass kind of uh, juxtaposes against um, Iron Man's character in interesting ways as we kind of see that kind of come to a head in phase three yeah, of like Civil yeah. War. But it's it's almost like they they have kind of similar aims at wanting to do good, but, um, but Captain America always has this like very altruistic mindset and kind of um, wants to be a person of high integrity. You see that all the way back to like the the beginning of the film when he's uh he's in the training camp and he like jumps on the grenade like like how can you not yes. love a guy who's willing to love like, that scene love he's to jump on a grenade for his, his guys and most of those guys that he jumps on the grenade for were you know it's shown in the movie that they're bullying him they're not taking him seriously and he still does it you know and then there's the opening scene which still now this is why I rate this movie probably so much higher than other people is because I still get chills when they open up the movie and they're in you know antarctica or whatever it is in the ice and uh the guy calls the you know the generals like hey get him on the phone and they're like yeah sir it's like 4 a.m here and he said this one's waited long enough and it just pans over to the shield frozen in ice and Mm. i just i lost it you know like to me that was i'm sold on this movie and then all of a sudden it flips back to it flips back the pages all the lenses the color schemes everything changes to this world war ii vibe and it was just i thought it was so well done I know the characters are campy and kind of cheesy in this. Some of the pacing is a little bit off. Um, it's not a perfect movie either by any means, but uh, I, I think this movie 
embraced the Chiefs. I think that for whatever reason went over some people's heads. Like I think Red Skull was meant to be like this campy World War II stereotypical bad guy that was the antithesis to Captain America's good guy, you know. And so I think for a lot of people that didn't uh, connect um, like it was intended to. But to me, I thought it was just such a great movie. And to me, it still holds up really well when I watch it. Uh, this one also has some very scuffy CGI um, kind of there with Thor. But uh, to me, the first act and third act of this movie are phenomenal. Uh, the second yeah. act, of course, has some rush pacing, uh, drags in, drags on in a few places. But um, yeah, I, I love this movie. You know that too. Between this, I love the relationship between him and Bucky that you get to see they build on that. Uh, for him to, of course, come back as a recurring character. Uh, I think Peggy Carter or uh, Haley Atwell does an amazing job with Peggy Carter in this movie. She really uh, sells that role to me. Oh man, uh, I think well. I mean I think we've kind of hinted on some of our favorite scenes being action sequences, but man, I think one of the most emotional scenes of Phase One has got to be Cap saying goodbye to Peggy. Like that's uh, yeah, it was heartbreaking. And it, I think that really, uh, man, that that really underlined like the quality of this character and the fact that he's willing to sacrifice himself and and uh and save humanity yeah. and he he did it he um he he did that so yeah what what do you what do you got man um what's your okay. what's your rating okay so i do have to say again uh, i know i'm giving this one a pretty high rating but i remember that uh so captain america of course there's the opening scene in the ice there's the relationship with him and bucky the relationship with him and uh and peggy carter uh, there's that beautiful scene where he's flying in the clouds when he's talking to her, making that decision to crash the plane. And then there's the scene afterwards where he wakes up um, hmm. and they have the baseball game playing and Nick Fury confronts them in town square, you know, yeah, um, or Times Square, New York. And that just, I love that scene too. Uh, so I know you're asking me for my rating, but I had to list all these items out before I give you what I'm about to say here. Yeah, man. Uh, but I'm going to give Captain America, the first Avenger in 84, 84, that's a uh, good praise. I, I think it was a solid film. I'm gonna just take it down a few points. I'm giving it a 77. I think it was uh, okay. Yeah, very solid film. Um, I actually, you know, I really liked the. Uh, you also saw the introduction to Red Skull um, in this film, which um, not not a perfect villain, but it was kind of cool. I think he there's redemption in his character, um, in the fact that he was. He was shown in, in a future, in, in Endgame, so uh, it was kind of yeah, cool to see and, him come uh, back. To me, this was actually one of, like, two, two till, even till, okay, talk right now, even um, today, this is one of Marvel's more tragic movies. Like, it is not a happy ending to me. Like, he wakes up, and everybody he knows is gone, you know? Uh, like, that ending is heartbreaking, where he comes out to fear, and he's like, you know, I, I'm late for a dance when he realizes it's been 70 years, you know? That's it packs a punch uh and even yeah. watching that movie now it's it's such a uh yeah such a heavy hitting it's such a heavy hitting uh heavy hitting ending but uh yeah that's why i gave it an 84 i know that's a lot higher than most people would give it but that's might be one of my upsets i guess you could yeah. say and uh one thing we should quickly mention before we move on to uh the pen ultimate movie here is that uh marvel really destroyed it when it came to casting i mean Robert Downey Jr. is Iron Man, Chris Hemsworth is Thor, Chris Evans is Captain America. A lot of these, I don't think um, people would have seen as 
uh, ideal castings at the time, you know, I mean, which is crazy because now like those are the characters I see as those roles, you know, and, uh, or those are the actors I see playing those roles. So it, that's very interesting to me too, is that there was, there was definitely a level of talent to be able to see maybe past, uh, their previous careers or their lack of careers and, uh, frontline them in some of these big budget movies. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's pretty, uh, it's pretty huge, you know, bringing the whole team together, um, and it paid off for them. So, yeah, so now we uh, we have the final film of Phase 1, 2012, Marvel's The Avengers. Oh, man. The Avengers. And uh, this one was crazy for us. Yeah. We were working. We, we wore costumes. We went to the midnight premiere. We decked out your mom's minivan. I mean, we were crazy for this one. Um because at this point, this was they actually freaking pulled it off. They made a bunch of solo movies, and they were tying all these characters into a large budget movie. And I, I did want to quickly uh, just backtrack to just so that there's the information there. It's in this uh, in this podcast. Is that uh, Captain America: The First Avenger was done on a hundred and forty million dollar budget, same budget as the first Iron Man. It, it made about three, just north of three hundred seventy million. So it didn't do uh, near as well as the first Iron Man, and not quite as well as Thor. Um, which is interesting, but of course, I think it looked like based on for the box office numbers I, I looked at, which made sense, is it performed almost as good as Thor did here in the U.S. in Canada. Uh, but Thor, of course, did uh, uh, significantly better overseas, which makes sense that Captain America probably wouldn't do quite as well as Thor overseas. So, uh, but yeah, just a quick tidbit now that we're moving into the Avengers here. Yeah. So the Avengers is a two hundred and twenty million dollar budget movie. So uh, this is Marvel's biggest budget movie at this point, which makes sense. You know, to bring all the stars together, and uh, this movie ended up uh, massacring the box office. I mean, I remember it was all over headlines for weeks. So I think at the time it was one of the biggest opening weekends of all time. Yeah, didn't it take over and... at the time as the uh, the number one grossing movie of all time? Like it took that, or did what did did Avatar still have that? title so it, it took um i think it had the biggest opening weekend you may want to double fact check that real quick and i'll say anything falsely but i know it didn't beat avatar's total gross at all uh avatar made just so much money but uh i know the avengers made just north i think of 200 million dollars on the opening weekend and it ended up grossing over 1.5 billion dollars so Jeez. it made more than double any other movie that it had released at this point uh, which is crazy so it, it, to put that in perspective it, it made more than the first uh it made more than iron man iron man 2 and the uh and the incredible hulk combined right that's that's pretty crazy and i think yeah. uh man we've we've hit on it in this a, a few times but i remember just seeing this film you, you're carrying the excitement of obviously this film but what you're really carrying is an excitement of four years of kind of culmination of character development and characters coming together. And man, I think we've, we've talked about this multiple times, but that the first scene where you see the Avengers squat up on the streets of New York is like, is, is phenomenal. And as kind of grown up as kids, like, man, this is like, this is like our movie is like, as like, as, or as this is our, our, yeah, this our generational. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, I've, I've heard some people kind of talk about how like these, these movies, and if you kind of look at like Harry Potter, they kind of they kind of sum up the the um, I guess the the feel of the the millennial generation and and how we um, we kind of see these 
these movies of people coming together to to find triumph, find success. It's kind of it's very iconic to our generation, and so um, is, I think yeah. that's that's partly why Sam and I want to walk through this. Is um, this it was so impactful to us and the people that were around us, and man, seeing um, like Avengers come together, man, this was this was so exciting. So phenomenally exciting! You see Loki as oh, a, the, that phenomenal villain. Um, you got a mid-credit scene um, showcasing Thanos, and I remember we spent um, like the weeks afterwards, kind of dissecting like what the future of of uh, that character is going to be. And actually, that actually brings up an interesting point I, I, I meant to mention earlier, which is after all these films were released, I feel like we would spend weeks kind of analyzing them. Uh, looking into like fan theories <laughs> yeah. of what the next film is gonna be, and this is this is when those movies were coming out a year apart. So you'd walk out of the film, and uh, and you'd be like, well, I'm not gonna get another film until next summer. And so then the the hype and excitement building up to these films, I think, was greater than um, the the subsequent films because of the wait. You know, it's like the delayed gratification. We're waiting was, months, yeah. if not years, for these yeah. things. So. And uh, between Thor and Captain America, so Thor was May 6, 2011. Captain America was July 22, 2011. So those ones are actually pretty short together. So it was crazy that after Captain America, we had almost a year where it was like silence. But you knew the Avengers movie's coming because they teased it. That was Captain America's post credit scene was that little Avengers teaser trailer. It was like 40 seconds long. And I just remember like there was just so much hype at that point. And uh, man, I... It, I, this movie, um, there's definitely a, so much of a nostalgic factor to it. Uh, there are things when I watch it today, I'm like, oh yeah, there's a few things that aren't perfect about this movie. Um, there are things that could be done better, but man, the, the soundtrack, the action scenes, I mean, the action scenes are bar none are, are incredible in this movie and they still hold up in a lot of ways. Some really great fight scenes. You get to see some hero showdowns, you know, hero versus hero showdowns, which is um, always super fun because you know as young fanboys uh, that's one of the biggest conversations that always comes up is well who beats who in a fight you know yeah and uh, they threw some of that stuff on screen which was always so much fun uh, but man yeah and seeing that this movie was such a big hit it also made me realize like this could just keep going and going like they just made 1.5 billion dollars on this movie you know yeah uh, and- or that was the box office for it you know, like you mentioned, like the, the who would win in the fights. Uh, that that brings up one of my favorite scenes, which is the Iron Man and Cap kind of versus Thor fight that occurs in the, the beginning of the film. It's like, man, this is like all these kind of heroes coming together, and it's like we've already kind of like dissected as like fans, like who would who would win in these fights, and obviously Thor would kick both their butts. But um, it, it was a fun, entertaining uh, yeah, scene to see, you know. Um, it was. To, to I that. love the. I still love some of the uh, settings that they choose for these fights. Like to me. All three of those characters have very colorful uh, costumes or suits in Iron Man's case, and seeing the three of them in that like dark forest backdrop, I just thought was such a was such a cool setting to have the three of them meet together. It was such an iconic thing, you know, to see the three of them in that triangle facing off against each other, almost like a, a Western duel with just the dark forest background. I was like, oh my god, you know, I'm freaking out. And then they bring in Loki, the best villain of phase one, and he's getting to, you know, basically be the villain again uh, for the big bad for the Avengers movie and does, again, a really good job in it. Yeah. Um, I think um, if, I get, if I could give some negatives to this film, which there there's not a ton of them, but I think that the, the CGI was ambitious and I think it held up mostly, but looking back, there's still some some of the fight scenes where you had the Shatari that are a little bit uh, could be desired on the CGI front. I think yeah, the yeah. humor was was good, but it, there was also a couple points where it was a little little campy. But 
man, I do remember being yeah. in the film and like you're you're excited. You're in the, you're in the theater and you're excited about seeing the the fights and then all of a sudden um, you, you get like a, a quippy one liner from one of the Avengers and you're laughing and it just like it was just so much fun. Um, I think that's it kind was. of what underlines it for me. Um, and it's I uh, think we're on the same page there. Like to me, it, it's a great movie. When I look back, there's a few little things I I really enjoyed the humor, especially on opening night. It was a lot of fun. But to me, they definitely uh, I remember this was kind of a critique after the movie. But there was I think they danced on that line of almost too much humor in the Avengers movie. Um, I don't think they went too far with it, but you know it was definitely kind of teetering there where they were there was a lot of one liners. Uh, I feel like, of course, Hawkeye, since he hadn't even had his own movie, he had very limited screen time in this one. So if you were going to this movie as a Hawkeye fan, uh, he had some great scenes still. Uh, right. It wasn't like he wasn't in the movie at all or anything, but he was, of course, definitely probably the Avenger that got shunned the most as far as screen time goes of all of them. Um, and then at this point, you know, Iron Man's the only one who's had two other full movies, and they were both the best at the box office. You know, so he kind of is leading the pack as far as, I think, I did feel like we talked about this too. I love Iron Man, so it didn't bother me too much. But there was a little bit of it felt like some of the other characters were being used to set up yeah. as one liners. They're definitely leaning and, on him. Um, they were leaning on him a lot for the movie, which is understandable. But that was something we've talked about, which is really interesting. Is is you know is Iron Man one of the favorites because of the in the Avengers movie because of the screen time, you know, because of his role in the movie. Or is it because, you know, Marvel leaned on him, like basically made sure that he was that character in the movie uh, right. because of his previous success. Uh, and even in, I remember going through Avengers posters, all these posters released me from Iron Man was kind of the front and center character. Um, again, not a bad thing, but it, it was very interesting to see that they were, uh, I think they did a good job. All the characters had their high points. They had some really great scenes, but yeah, I, I did feel like, um, watching it even now, I can tell like, oh yeah, these guys are kind of definitely trying to bank on Iron Man and Robert Downey Jr.'s face yeah. uh, on these posters and uh, for this movie as a whole. Yeah, I think that's an interesting point. Um, I think I think we'll see a little bit more. Uh, we'll see a little bit more parity between the characters in later Avengers. Um, I think this is the this is the movie that had the biggest disparity of kind of that, that that showtime for iron man but yeah overall yeah. um any other scenes you want to highlight that stood out for you before we go into ratings oh man um i love some of the the dialogues the one-on-ones they had with loki uh you know thor had some really good ones uh, black widow had a really good scene with loki um so there was some really good uh just conversations in the movie. Like you said, like some of my favorite parts was even the action scenes was just the characters interacting together. Right. And it was just the craziness of seeing that on screen. Like I just saw this guy, uh, specifically Captain America, and he was in World War II with like a totally different color scheme and color lens like in a period film. And now he is making jabs at Iron Man on a government helicarrier. You know, <laughs> it was just, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was yeah. the craziest of it, but how it, it worked so well. Yeah. Um, for sure, though, I think that was, man. That's probably about uh, all I can say. Like you said, the iconic um, camera going around the whole team as they're circled up is still God so amazing. Yeah. And uh, this movie is over. I think it's two hours and twenty something minutes long. So it's not a short movie by any means. But I still remember like walking through. I was like, man, I wish this movie was another like fifteen or twenty minutes. Like I, I was just loving every second of it. You know. Um. But yeah, let's go ahead and give it the rankings here. I'm going to give 
Marvel's The Avengers. A uh, it's gonna get that coveted score, and let's say I know I'm, I'm dragging this score out a bit, man. But yeah, we no. do have to kind of acknowledge this: is that it's so hard to rank these Avengers movies against these solo movies. So it really uh, is because you're having these character team ups, and it's it's really hard to give the solo movies a fair shake against these Avengers movies because. Uh, a mediocre Avengers movie is still gonna outshine, in most cases, a good solo movie. Almost feels like just because of the character, those character interactions you get with that are so golden and rich. Yeah. Um. So for me, this is the first movie and the only movie in Phase One that I'm gonna give that coveted ninety out of a hundred score. So it's Let's gonna go. hit that ninety mark. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Um, I'm sitting at a ninety-one, kind of the first. Uh, a rating for these movies and I, I i totally agree that rating these kind of next just standalone films is tricky but i think that that's what is really the power of the mcu which is the the culmination films can really leverage the development from the previous films um yeah yeah i'm just thinking about um other movies that I've seen recently, like um, Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, which um, had a similar situation where you had a team of uh, protagonist characters that are working together to defeat evil. But that film felt like such a rush for character development. Um, even though it was the third in, in a sequence of films, the Avengers can really pull on the character development that's fleshed out in previous films. And so you can jump right in and know the, the struggles of the characters and um, their strengths and weaknesses. And then you can just spend the whole film just watching them interact together, which um, I think is to the advantage of these culmination films, which is why such a one good reason point, why I love, love all these. And I think we do have to say is how well uh, Marvel's quality control in place was to make sure these characters weren't getting completely, um, to put it not, frankly, I guess they're they're being trashed on essentially. Like uh, when I went into the Avengers movies, all the characters felt like they were taken from their movies. You know, I didn't feel like, like, oh, what the heck? They completely changed this character to fit the plot of the film. Like, you know, I, I, we got to see, it was like, oh, this is Thor. I haven't seen him for a year and here he is and it's still Thor. And here's Iron Man, you know, and here's Captain America. You know, it, it was so cool to see that uh, all the development and uh, their character traits from their solo movies were brought in and were consistently applied to the characters, and they just let those traits interact with each other. Uh, yeah, so, no, it. I'm totally with you on that one, man. But uh, Man, I think this I think, this wraps up phase one. Yeah, I think we're at that mark. We're uh, over, well, we're approaching an hour and 20 minutes now, man. Yeah, I think we're... So, uh... We're going a little over our target time, but man, it's because there's so much good content in these films, and I think it brings back these memories of us as kids, kind of growing up seeing these films. And so, what's yeah, what's phase next? One is so nostalgic. Obviously, yeah. next uh, next phase is going to be our next podcast, right? Yeah, we're going to go into phase two next time. So uh, we'll be doing the exact same setup. We'll be going through all the phase two films, uh, kind of doing a little bit of a brief deep dive. And uh, kind of discussing just a quick recap of our favorite scenes, you know, what we loved, what we thought could be better, and then giving them that uh, one of a hundred ranking. And what I'm hoping to do at the end of this podcast is kind of read off how all these movies line up uh, against each other through all four phases. Yeah, I think would be really cool. Yeah, I think and, when um, we get to the end of the series, we'll we'll kind of dive yeah, through the yeah. rankings. Like just a recap of the rankings today. 
both you and I rated uh, for standalone films, Iron Man one, the highest and for standalone films, we rated the incredible Hulk uh, as the lowest. And then we also both rated the, um, the Avengers higher than, than all standalone films. So that's interesting in itself, but it'll be cool at the very end of this to, to see, Oh, how did Iron Man two compare to um, Ant Man and the Wasp? And in, in, in what areas did we see one exactly. succeed? I think that's going to be really interesting. So stay I'm tuned. I'm excited. Yeah, it will stay tuned when you conclude this, but uh, I'm excited for us to compare some of these Phase 3 movies and Phase 4 solo movies to some of these old school Phase 1 movies and see kind of how those they battle out as far as quality goes because there's been a lot of rewatching going on between the two of us right now. Uh, but as always, uh, again, this is the Kibble and Boys podcast. Uh, thank you all for tuning in, and uh, hopefully you'll uh, check in next time. That's the Kibbles from your boys, Harn and Sam. <laughs>